Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Then as soon as we wanted to watch it on that Forgotten Cinema, it goes to A&E, and I got to pay to rent it. She obliterates his area. He's back up fighting like there's no pain going through there. Lady, you're about five punches to the ball. That too late. guy there's nothing down yeah. there but dust. That guy needs to be on the floor writhing in pain. Oh man, he reads a lot. He's such a weird <laughs> man. He's so great. He's so much better than everybody. He is, right? Look oh at that review. Oh my god. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. A lot of episodes. How you doing, Mike? Doing all right. How are you? I am doing well. And once again, we are not alone. We have a special guest with us oh, today. Oh, special. Okay. You're doing X-Files? <laughs> I was. <laughs> all right. We have a former uh, co-host of mine uh, from yet another MCU podcast, Mr. Pat Whalen. Pat, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Okay. Excellent. Do you want to introduce anything about like what you do or what you, you want to talk about anything? You just want to say, hey, let's get to the movie. That's it. Hey, let's just get to the movie. I think they know me if they watch yet another, or listen to yet another yes, MCU podcast, yeah. or if you found us on YouTube with some of the everything you should know videos yep. about the MCU. Uh, you could find us um, forgottenentertainment.com. Absolutely. And you could find <laughs> you could find yet another MCU podcast talking junk about the MCU on Instagram. Talking junk. <laughs> the triumvirate of Forgotten Entertainment is actually sitting around this table right now. I'm still waiting for the uh, phase four uh, season. Whenever it's phase four. There are phase four episodes that have not been published <laughs> that we did kind of as videos that I edited, but they're mm-hmm. not out there. We did Black Widow and Shang-Chi, right? That was it. Yes, I think that yeah. was it. Uh, did we do the Eternals? No, we did not do the Eternals because I, I'll do <laughs> it. And my uh, 20 minutes is going to be, how do you put a sex scene in a PG-13 film? But whatever. <laughs> how... <laughs> Yeah. How is this sex scene that boring? <laughs> <laughs> so Pat, Pat, um, so with all the, uh, this is actually our first guest for this season. We're doing this season. We're having a uh, different episodes. We're gonna have different guests from different podcasts, friends of ours, uh, people actually that we guested on their podcast. And for all of them, how I did this was I gave them the big long list of all the movies that Mike and I put together where we're like, Oh, we should put this on the list, put this on the list. And we just, it's a big, Apple's note, Apple uh, iPhone list, note yeah, list kind Apple of thing. Notes, right. Yeah. I sent it to Pat and I said, I sent it to Pat, go, Pat, pick one and, you know, we're going to do it. Already knowing what Pat was going to pick because he's <laughs> asked us to do this movie for about a year and a half now. What movie did you pick? What are we doing today, Pat? Summer Catch. Summer Catch. That's right. So let's get into what it's about and the facts and then we'll I'll tear it down while Pat tries to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> a coming of age romantic comedy set against the backdrop of the Cape Cod Baseball League. Local boy Ryan Dunn, now a pitcher for Boston College, meets Tenley Parrish, the daughter of a wealthy couple who summer on the Cape. Ryan and Tenley fall in love, much to the chagrin of their families. 
while Ryan clings to one last hope of being discovered and signed to a pro baseball contract. That boy don't work for no Boston College no more. <laughs> nah, yeah, he's out, right? He left? No, he, he got kicked out. He, kicked he got out. kicked out of Framingham oh, State, right. didn't he? He left Boston College, got kicked out of Framingham State. Yeah, yeah. which makes it... it it disqualifies him from playing in the Cape Cod Baseball League, oh, really? which is open only for college players. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, maybe, maybe he maybe he wasn't officially uh, signed out. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I'm hung up on is the name Tenley. I've never heard that name before. It's like I, it's, it's so. Is this such a white privilege name? That was the point of the name too. I think <laughs> Back they were then in 2001. I mean, clearly it hasn't taken off because all of us who were watching this in 2001 are close to or have had kids and nobody has named their children Tenley. I almost think like if she was their 10th daughter, like their 10th child, then Tenley, that would make sense. Here comes Aitley. All right, anyway. So the movie Summer Catch has a runtime of 104 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Production budget varies depending on where you look at. It could be either from 17 million to 34 million, but we'll say, I guess, 34 million. Well, 34 sounds like maybe with marketing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Since it doubles. Couldn't tell you. Who knows? Release date was Friday, August 24th, 2001. So it's a late summer entry. Uh, it's opening weekend. It did seven million dollars domestic. It did nineteen point seven million. International did eighteen point eight thousand dollars, and then worldwide is pretty much nineteen point seven. Doesn't really <laughs> the eighteen point eight didn't move that meter really too uh, too much. Uh, production company was Tallinn Robbins Productions and was distributed by Warner Brothers. Uh, I said it came out on the twenty fourth of August in two thousand one. It went up against in a wide release. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, a movie I saw. I like that one. Uh, Ghost of Mars, the John Carpenter film. Don't like that one. <laughs> Bubble Boy with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Oof. and then the Woody Allen movie, The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Uh, actually, wasn't uh, Kate Blanchett nominated for that? Did she win for that? That wasn't the one. With Kate that was Blanchett. the one. She, no. she wasn't in that. Now, limited release that week. You had Tortilla Soup and Happy Accidents. Okay, the week after, the thirty first of August, in a wide release, you had Jeepers Creepers and O, which is basically Othello in high school. Can, or can I add that? To yeah, the list please. next time. What O? Yeah. Seriously, you're gonna make me watch O again? I guess not. Hartnett. I guess not. <laughs> Wait, his list. other choice was Adventureland. Put O back on. Put O back on. <laughs> you can put O on. Butler, put O on. I just want to be part of Forgotten Sports. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting O on. O's on the list now. Ugh, weird. Uh, the week before, the 17th of August, you had a wide release of Rat Race. American Outlaws and Captain Corelli's Mandolin. That just sounds lovely. <laughs> so I think I I know of Captain Corelli's Mandolin. That's with Nick Cage. I remember liking it, but I don't remember it. I don't. Any, I remember the trailer, but I know I also saw the movie and I can't remember. I don't remember seeing the, the movie trailer, and I don't know if I, I don't remember anything about it. I just knew that Nick Cage is in it. I did see Rat Race, which has some funny moments, but probably doesn't um, age well. Rat Race. I like the Mr. Bean stuff in Rat Race. You like the stuff when they go to the uh, German the German museum? No. <laughs> <laughs> this was directed by Michael Tolan, who's on radio and not much else. He actually does all he produces and directs a lot of 30 for 30 movies. Uh, well, I, I want to say episodes, but they're films. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for a documentary of Hank Aaron chasing the dream. This movie has a story and screenplay credit by Kevin Falls, who's done The Temp, and he's a producer and writer on the TV show This Is Us, and he's done Franklin and Bash as well, another TV show. Screenplay credit for John Gatins. He is nominated for an Oscar for the movie Flight, 
Uh, he's also done Real Steel and Coach Carter. Cinematography by Tim Shurtit. I probably said that wrong. He's done Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Idiocracy, and Critters, to name a few. He's done a lot. He has a lot of credits. Two composers, George Fenton and Tarsha Vega. Fenton has, was nominated for Oscars for The Fisher King, Dangerous Liaisons, Cry Freedom, and Gandhi. And Vega is pretty much an actor uh, from Get a Grip and Fugitive Hunter. Uh, I think this is uh, Vega's only composer credit. Edited by Harvey Rosenstock, who has done Teen Wolf 2 <laughs> when, when uh, Jason Bateman takes over. Set of a Woman and Tombstone. And produced by Brian Robbins, Michael Tolan, and Sam Wiseman. Robbins has done Good Burger, Wild Hogs, and Varsity Blues. I think he directed Varsity Blues, if I'm not mistaken. I think he did, but you guys don't know. Offhand. Uh, offhand. Not an offhand. Yeah. He's, uh, he's actually in Head of the Class. He's one of the actors in Head of the Class. Michael Tolan has done the same credits as I listed before for the director. And then Sam Wiseman has done Bye Bye Love and Shuttle and Dad. This movie has actually a big cast, which I did not anticipate. Did you anticipate the size of this cast that you're going to make me go through? You don't have to go through all well, of it. I like that's, I don't know that's what you the mean concept by concept of the podcast. You remember the movie? I don't know. I if, didn't remember a lot of the movie. Oh, I remember the movie. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't remember as many. I didn't remember as many people like names. In it. There are a couple of background it. people that I was like, oh man, this guy's in it. But other than that, like most of the main people I remember. Right, Freddie Prince Jr. as Ryan Dunn from the two Scooby Doo films that were the live action. He's also in I Know What You Did Last Summer and The House of Yes. Jessica Beale as Tenley Parrish. She's from Cellular, The Illusionist, The A Team, and the TV show on Hulu Candy. Uh, she's also in the first season of The Sinner, which is actually a pretty good show. I never got, but I never went to the second season. Is that the one that's based on a podcast? The Sinner? I don't know. No, that's the thing about Pam with uh, uh, what's Jessica Chastain. No, um, Renee Zellweger in a fat suit. Oh, yeah. Because she was in Jessica Biel did a Candy app. is based on a real life story. Right. But she did one about it was based on an audio podcast where like a bunch of people in a town disappear. And she's investigating it. No, that's not I that. Don't. I can't remember the name of that one. Is it, I don't know that no. one. That the sinner is when she just suddenly stabs some dude at a beach, and they're trying to figure out why she stabbed this guy, and you kind of figure out what happened to her and stuff like that. And Candy's based on a murder from the eighties, right? Yeah, Fred Ward, who we just lost this year. Uh, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Ward. He's and he plays Sean Dunn. He plays Ryan Dunn's father. He's in the right stuff. Remo Williams, Tremors, and Chain Reaction. Matthew Lillard as Billy Brubaker. He's also in the Scooby-Doo films. He plays Shaggy, of course. He's in the first Scream. He's on the TV show Bosch for a couple seasons. And he's in the movie Hackers, because I, I always going to bring up Hackers if I ever can. <laughs> uh, Brian Dennehy as John Schniffner. Schniffner. No, Schiffner. There you Schiffner. go. I did it. He's in First Blood, Tommy Boy, and Presumed Innocent. He, I didn't realize he passed away in 2020. I was a little bummed out about that. Jason Gedrick as Mike Dunn from Iron Eagle 1 and 2, Heavenly Kid, and Backdraft. Uh, you also had Brittany Murphy as Dee Dee Mulligan from Clueless, Eight Mile, Sin City, and a movie we did, Butler, Uptown Girls. Oh, yeah. Bruce Davison as Rand Parrish. He was nominated for an Oscar for Longtime Companion. He's also in the X-Men, Shortcuts, and The Crucible. Mark Lucas as Miles Dalrymple from the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. He's also in Night and Day and Sleeping with Other People. And then Wilmer Valderrama makes his film debut in this film as Mickey Dominguez. Uh, he's on that 70s show and unfortunately that 90s show that's coming out for people that yeah, want to yeah, yeah. Listen, he just posted today when we're doing this, his script for... Uh, I saw that. Uh, I, I saw that. He's also in NCIS and he's also in the movie Larry Crown, which actually might be one for our podcast, Butler, Larry Crown with uh, Tom Hanks. Wilmer Villadorama? Yeah. No. <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> Corey Pearson plays Eric Van Lemire, Lemire or the, the jerk in the movie. The only credit I have for him is he's just not that into you. 
Christian Kane is Dale Robin. You might know him from the TV show Leverage. I'm sure that's Pat's favorite. And the TV show The Librarians, another favorite of Pat's. Absolutely not. No, I never I never got into the TNT shows. It was more of the USA Network Blue Sky shows. Oh, there you go. He's he's good on Angel as the uh, evil lawyer turned kind of good. Turned yeah. evil Wolfram and Hart. Oh, I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel Mann is Augie from Josie and the Pussycats. He plays Alan M. And he's also in The Born Identity and The Born Supremacy, I believe, the next one after. And then you had, like, you talked about a couple cameos of Beverly D'Angelo as this is a terrible, terrible title for her role. Lusty house mother. <laughs> could just give her a name. She's in the vacation films and the TV show Entourage. And then John C. McGinley, who actually, this is, an, uh, he goes uncredited in this, plays the a, uh, plays the scout at the end of the film. Hugh Alexander, he is from the TV show Scrubs, which is probably where everyone knows him from. And then Hank Aaron's in this film. I didn't realize he was uncredited in this. Yeah. Because he has a couple moments he's early on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it just it may I'm wondering uncredited so he can he doesn't have to he doesn't get paid. He doesn't pay for it. That kind of so thing. he doesn't have to justify this when people <laughs> look at his I, resume. I'll help you out. Okay. I'm shooting something. <laughs> I'll just pop over. Let me just do a weird voice and wear suspenders and we're off. I'm in I'm in the Cape for vacation, although that's not where they filmed it. I know they filmed it in North Carolina. Nice. They were in the Cape somewhere at some point. Uh, so I guess w- we have all seen this film in some, at some point you have obviously Pat have seen it more than us. Yes. Uh, and I don't want to get into why it's forgotten. Um, because you know, we'll get to that later, Okay. but I would like to get into why you wanted to do this film with us. If you can do it without saying why it's forgotten. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to say it this way. When you guys told me the concept of forgotten cinema, this one popped up. It isn't one that I'm actively looking for on Netflix or Amazon or wherever I go to find this one. But when it was on cable, whether if it was TBS or HBO or something, it's a good rewatch where I turn it on and I kind of get sucked in for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, the whole rest of the movie, whatever it is. It, you know, you, you're flipping through the stations this is on. I'm going to, I'm going to linger for a while and watch it. And when you guys gave me the concept of forgotten cinema, this one, this is what made me think of that. So you've seen this multiple times. Yes. So uh, so it's safe to say that nothing changed for this viewing in terms of the other times that you would watch it because you, I mean, I know you're watching it this time with a little bit more of a analytical view. Did anything change in terms of your thoughts or only from the analytical view that I think some of the jokes just don't, hold up okay. 20 years later. Okay. Um, not so much that they aren't funny, but they just, they're not, they're not politically correct. They're not, you can't do these anymore. We'll get to, we'll get, yeah. we can get to that. But uh, I don't know your history with this movie. Uh, kind of the same as Pat. I mean, I remember renting it back in the day and really liking it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a really fun watch. It's a great summer movie. You're talking about like 2002, 2003, like back then, back like, then okay. when it first yeah, came out, yeah. yeah, as soon as it came out and then kind of like Pat, like if it was on comedy central TBS or HBO, you know, I I definitely have only seen it once all the way through, but I remember at least catching the ending of when Ken Griffey Jr. hits a home run off of him. Spoiler. Like, I remember <laughs> that scene, like, having watched that quite a few mm-hmm. times. Because I always really liked the ending where you think he's going to be this big star and then he gets dunked on, basically. <laughs> oh, it's just his first pitch. Uh, right. But I, I also like I like that freeze frame of the smile on his face. Sure, but, sure. Um, so I remember that. The movie didn't quite hold up as well on this rewatch. Okay. I feel like it's because a lot of the jokes kind of didn't age well. And because some of the stuff, just having watched more movies, it's not as well put together as similar things 
in the same vein. Okay. But it's just the camaraderie between the the cast and the fun that they're having. You have fun while you're watching it. And I was still sucked in the whole time. I might yeah. not have laughed as loud as I used to, but it's still got some really good lines. And I think that it's everybody's got a lot of chemistry in this film together. And I think that that what makes it work. So you talk about the jokes and, and uh, Pat Burma. So let's let's talk about the stuff maybe that didn't work for you guys. Uh, wh- whoever has one first. Any of the fat people jokes. Just they got to they got to go. So you, you, you <laughs> yeah. like Matthew, basically, I want to say Matthew, Lillard, but Billy Brubaker right. ripping on um, what's what's his Lucas's character name? Dal- Dalrymple. What's his first name? Because I don't want to keep saying Dalrymple. You'll say Dalrymple. Miles. So the fact that Miles likes uh, big women or he likes, he you know. He likes fat women yep. and fat women I don't, like him. I don't. I, I, like when he does that big thing at the end and, you know. I can't the, watch his episodes of Buffy without thinking of that, that line. That's like <laughs> scarred. I, I will always think of him. When he does that big thing at the end where he's like, oh, I got to let everyone know. It's like, first of all, no, you don't. You don't have to let everyone know. You just have to let the people at the table know. Like, you don't have to make a big deal about it. And I didn't. What he said, it was just kind of like, eh, this seems just kind of self-serving. And like, no way. Like, honestly, like everybody that clapped, let's be honest. They're all being like, what a loser. Like, they're all making fun of him <laughs> after the fact. And he and just to do that point, um, the jokes may not work, but he's ripping on Miles so much. I'm talking about Brubaker that when Miles basically says, you know, you know, the, the proverbial F off, it's like he you, if you watch the scene, Brubaker's like high five and then laugh. It's like eh, you should really be being told off. Yeah. Not, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't like you don't think the jokes are funny at all. The, the Brubaker stuff. Mm, I think they're kind of low breath. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. And that's, and that's Matthew Lillard. That's like well, yeah. his M.O. Do you think those jokes were written into the script or Lillard was ad libbing? I think it was I, a little bit of both. I think it, yeah, okay. I agree. Are those the only jokes that we're talking about? Is there other stuff in here that didn't work for you guys? I think the similar picking on of um, Wilmer Laterama's right, character. Yeah. All um, stuff. yeah. You know, those were tropes back then um, that just don't maybe necessarily land anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the pressure to, to have sex and everything. It just doesn't. Nobody yeah. cares. That yeah. also came off yeah. as very like, hey, we have to write Fez a storyline. Yes. So let's make a Fez storyline. Well, and, and the storyline reminded me, even though they don't really play off like you don't see the woman, reminded me of American Pie with it, his, yes. you know, mm-hmm. Stifler's mom. And it's like, are you putting that in there because American Pie was such a huge hit in 99 and it was so big and like you you just you needed to add stuff like that because you wanted to people like it's like American Pie, but with baseball. Well, how long was this script in development? Because I saw I don't at know. one point Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were saying. They were. That. Yep. But it's here's it, but but they they probably I like what I just said in terms of like adding stuff to it. That's Add probably yeah. You know, right. We'll add this. It's just like a Helicon American Pie. It's sophomore sophomoric and sex comedy. We're gonna add that to this movie. But it's also like there's a whole storyline that we're not getting with her. Yes, because she's gonna help him with his baseball career, and she seems like she really not only is she going to have sex with him, but <laughs> she is gonna help his baseball career. Like he need that last hit he takes is because of her. Yeah, and she's got actual advice, Which, but we don't know anything about Mickey. Or his hangups, or mm-hmm. what he needs to get over. The only ones we know about are Ryan and Brubaker, and in a little yes. bit of a way, um, what's the hotshot guy? Oh, Vandermeer or Van Lemire or whatever. Yeah, it Van is. Lemire. Yeah. Like his, like he needs to get off his high horse, kind of a thing. Which, but but he never gets that. He never right. saw, resolves that. So real quickly about Mickey, it's like that's clearly from Bull Durham. Like that's the mm-hmm. Bull Durham, yeah, song right. Lot, which is done much better. But yeah. also one of the problems that you're talking about, which I wanted to highlight, is the fact that there are four or five different stories in this movie that are competing for each other to mm-hmm. be the main story. And I know the Tenley and Ryan romance is important because Ryan's the lead. 
Right. So that should be the one that wins out, but it should not have to compete with the Mickey storyline, the Miles storyline, the Brubaker storyline. That was going to be one of the points I make. I think some of the B plots work. Like I think there's too many of them to call them C plots because to your point, they, they compete with each other. I think many of the B plots work. I think the A plot is separate from that, but the B plots, he loves the fat girls. He needs to have sex. The wooden bat struggles, which, you know, that was more compelling. Right. There is, uh, I found this review from the official Cape Cod Baseball League site. Back <laughs> at the t- reviews field. That's fine. <laughs> He's the guest. No, no, no. But I, it's not about how the movie is, but yeah. it's that they, they actually highlighted the accuracy of some of these B storylines about like house mothers and house mothers, sure. house mothers being a real thing. So you could have played with more of that. Like she's developed the careers of real baseball players or right. other players that have gone through. And that like one of the other things they highlight is that booze and broads have derailed so many careers because oh, of you, course. you go play and then you go drink and then you wake up and you do it all over again. So like, I wish they tightened up some of those B plots into maybe those those three that the scouts the wooden bat struggles and a little bit more highlight of the the den mothers and the drinking yeah because i really thought that when she goes i can help you with baseball career she would start espousing like all this knowledge and then cut to and also close the door we're having yeah. sex. like i think that would have made for a better scene and then you get the cucumber joke which doesn't make any it's just thrown in there and just devalues the entire yeah, thing that's just kind of soft. i had i was over there and i had a cucumber salad i'm, I'm sure like, i laughed when i heard that line in high school but right. it's like <laughs> why, I, all i'm thinking is like why'd you go over her house to have a cucumber salad because everyone's going over her house <laughs> <laughs> that's but to that to that point she tells him you know, when he finally says, okay, I'm going to go, it's the end of the summer and it's the last, so the whole summer he spent like Avoiding bemoaning it. this, but I will say to your point about the B plots and C plots, those subplots need to involve the main character to help him in his main plot. So the subplot of him and his brother's angst uh, played by Jason Gedrick and you know how his brother didn't make it and his brother basically tells him when he asks him for help like that helps his main plot like that's right. where those subplots should be the plots of billy brubaker with the wooden bats or uh mickey dominguez and and the house mother like those plots take away because they don't include ryan does see i i feel like for brubaker that's not true because i think that ryan tricking brubaker to stay um, by going sure. hang out okay. with a friend, that is what helps Brubaker. Sure. So in that case, he is. Okay, that's fair. But yes, with the Mickey one, obviously nothing, and Miles is the just Miles one, nothing. The joke. But that, and that's the thing. Like, if you're going to do those subplots, and you're going to make, the, if you're going to make them, to make Miles and Ryan and Brubaker and Mickey the four leads, just like an American Pie, and make the focus on each of their like arcs. Like the story should be about their four arcs, and then we don't have to worry about everything else. But unfortunately, that's not what they do. And I think like it's a lot of pulling and pushing. You know, you you also have the the subplot of the father of uh, Ryan's dad. Yeah, the mm-hmm. done. You know, he shows up. He's drunk. He rips him. But then, like, I don't know about what you guys thought about it's this. All fine the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It suddenly, just yeah. changes. Yeah. And I thought like, oh wow, he's a drunk. He's gonna tank his career. He's gonna rip into him in front of the agent. Like I didn't like the scout. Excuse me. I didn't. What do you guys think of the father son? Like, just kind of like they kind of hinted at it, and then they're just kind of like, "Yeah, we change our mind." Almost after you, you were oh, pissed. okay. <laughs> Thank you. My big again. I like this movie. I enjoy watching this movie and picking up in in various pieces. But yeah, my big no, problem no. with this is, I think there's more. Uh, there's more of an opportunity here than they take advantage of. This was a fun movie that they were able to just make over a couple weeks in North Carolina playing baseball. I wanted to see more of 
the father and the brother. Like again, you could cut out a couple of the, the B plots. Get rid of the sister trying to figure out what a Chatham A is. Uh yeah. And play uh, with yeah. the or or make include the sister more in the relationship between Tenley and Ryan in terms of like Tenley sees how Ryan is a nice yeah. guy or something. Yes. Late nineties, early two thousands, you're not gonna not have a, a plucky little shit. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I think what we're talking about is a different like there's a there's a nugget of a great story here, but we're, we want a different movie than what they wanted to do. They wanted That's a fine. late summer yeah. rom com, and you needed, but like, so you needed the the push pull with the the father and Ryan, just so he feel you know. But you're also highlighting you're giving the the lead character uh, a more, problem. An yeah, you're giving him an right. obstacle, but you're also highlighting the two differences that you know. Part of the reason these two characters maybe find each other is they both have tough fathers. Well, uh, Townley's dad's a dick. I mean, he's he's an elitist scumbag. He is. he is. He doesn't learn his lesson. He doesn't yep. care. No. You know, even when she's the whole thing. My favorite part, of, not my favorite part, when she's like, "I want to stop at the stadium." It's not a stadium. It's a ball field. It's <laughs> not a stadium. And they drive up right to the backstop. Like it's like nobody's business. Like there's no way you can get up to the backstop like that. The other thing is, all these players are coming there. Why don't they ever go anywhere? What's that? The Chatham A's. They they never the, they do. They travel. They travel. It's they, it's they, all in Cape Cod. They say it. You don't if you're listening to Kirk Gowdy who's playing the say yeah, okay. yeah. Which sounds like everyone's coming to them. Yeah. Kirk, no, you Kirk, can tell by the uniforms too. They have the, the away and the home uniforms. That's true. Okay. They have yeah, the white the white uniforms and then the blue with the, the red trim. You yeah, could tell. Yeah, and then in the heat of summer, for some reason we've decided to put Freddie Prince Jr. in a turtleneck every time he he pitches <laughs> on the mound. Like that's such a terrible look. Like, what is this? Because it had branding on it. <laughs> Of course, of course. Um, but Mike, did you want to add anything about the father? Uh, Which I one? I think that the alcoholism in that one scene is a little out of place. But for the most part, I mean, he's just kind of like getting over his mom's death. It's just to kind of show, oh man, look, that guy's so distraught. He's also, <laughs> if you forgot, the mom died, guys, if you forgot. But we also heard a little bit about Mike Dunn. That's a C or D storyline that needs to be a B storyline. Yes. Because it's got a B storyline wrap up that your B storylines don't even have. Yeah. Even Brubaker doesn't get that kind of wrap up. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of in a montage. is like, he's getting better. Whereas uh, Mike and Ryan have this big come together at the end where that's half the voices in Ryan's head. And yet it's treated as a C or D storyline for the entire sure. movie. I think there's definitely issues within, within the script in terms of what stories get precedence. Now, granted, you know, some of the, Matthew Lillard is extremely popular at this point. So that's why he's in the movie. Cause he got an and credit. So you're going to give him something, mm-hmm. but I, I think, I think the script probably needed another couple of rewrites in terms of tightening up, but you know what? That's the movie they did. So, you know, I don't want to harp on that too much um, unless you had something to add, Pat. No, I had a question for you guys. Cause oh. I think, you know, we talked about, we were maybe looking for a different movie with, with our little add-ins there. This does have a, a really, I think it's low hanging fruit to make a, a, Netflix series or an Amazon Prime series. How would you do it? Blue Mountain State or Friday Night Lights? Uh, I never saw either. I know I know they're different qualities. I know Blue mm-hmm. Mountain State's more like sophomoric and, you know, off the wall. So I would probably tend to lean that way. Yeah. Uh, Friday Night Lights is just too serious for me. Although I like the movie Friday Night Lights. I just never... I, from what I... Uh, scenes I've seen from the Friday Night Lights show, it's a little too melodramatic. Mm-hmm. So I probably wouldn't be tend. To, I wouldn't tend to like gravitate towards that. I probably go maybe go somewhere in between. Yeah, do a little bit more of the more earnest in terms of the characters. 
I would think if you did a show, maybe lean more toward like Remember the Titans. Have those moments where that camaraderie is there and they tell jokes to each other, but the sh- the stakes itself aren't jokey. Yeah, and then, I like of course, that. Cast Enzel Washington in this movie as the coach, and we're all set. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Denny does a good job. I but think he doesn't have anything to do. No, when he yells at the people, I, be- I believe he's a hardened coach. What? It, uh, yeah. But here's, here's another talk about the script. Here's another you know subplot thing they do. You got two strikes. You know, one more, and you're gone. Like okay. Uh, but that never comes up again. Like I thought they were going to turn the burning of the into his third strike. Yeah. Burning of the the clubhouse into a third strike, which not for nothing, but I know that that guy's a ball player. You don't realize that if you kick the lighted match down, like you don't really, you want to take care of that. You're just going to keep going. Like you're that like horn dogged up that you can't realize to go down there. And just, oh, right. shoot, I just kicked yeah. the whole lighted match. It's getting hot in here, baby. There. Oh yeah. You know, it's getting yeah. hot. Well, well, it had to match his like flame yeah, he theme. Was, he was, he was, his character. Wait, was, was that foreshadowing? <laughs> it was so one note. Like it was so just. I don't give a crap about the team. This is who I am. Don't blow it. I'm like, oh, you're so annoying. Like, it's it, true. Yeah, Th- that always pissed me off because like you realize he's pitching. Like that affects you and your mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And he just like harping on the whole time, even when he's doing good. Like just shut shut the hell up. But it, it it does and it doesn't because in this league it it is he just wants to look good so he can yeah and in especially for a pitcher and I love the line where um I think it's it's Ryan Dunn he turns over and says oh there's a there's a scout in the audience and he's like oh by July I think it is there'll be yeah be dozens of them or something yeah. yeah and um if you're playing this like because this is just a summer league right you're not you know you win the Cape Cod League that's great but did they play every other day or twice a week or three times a week I think a couple times a week yeah, yeah. okay okay um but they you know you're you want to stand out more than win if you right. go and pitch seven shutout innings as the starting pitcher and then your closer comes in and bombs it for you you don't okay. care yeah. because all the scouts saw you pitch yeah. and then when they know Ryan's coming in, the scouts are like, okay, let's wrap it up and go to the bar real quick mm-hmm. and get there early. That makes sense. That makes sense. In the movie, we talk about stuff we don't like in terms of like, we talked about stuff that like didn't work or subplots. Give me something in the film that you really resonated with you or a moment in the film. Uh, let me give you mine. And then let me tell you why I don't understand why the scene is given to this one person. The biggest speech in this film comes from his friend, Augie. When he tells him about like, you know, you're not quitting, you know, you know, this is what we're, we're going to be. If you go and play for this, whatever podunk team, we're going to be there. Like that's the best speech in the film, but mm-hmm. it's like, we got nothing else from his relationship with Augie and his other friend throughout the movie. Just, they were just kind of like, he kind of blows them off as soon as he yeah. gets to the team. Yeah. So yeah. What I don't under, I didn't like the fact that they used this really good speech. that was really performed well by the Gabriel man. And it was like, it was wasted on a character that you didn't take the time to develop the relationship between that. And again, why maybe this is better as a TV show, but it's implied in the opening scene that Augie and, and Ryan and the other guys, they go way back and they've sure. been here forever and they're, they're Cape Cod kids for life. And yeah, you're right. Cape Cod for life. Cape Cod for life. <laughs> uh, they needed more time together. But like, I guess from that opening scene, you're supposed to understand that like, because they were full, they were trying to support him and they were trying to hype him up yeah. the night before. Yeah. And then they're at all the games yeah. throughout the year. So they're just, they're hanging around and always rooting for him. They're at every game. They're at every every game. game. Every game. And I think part of that too is them understanding like we know who you are. You need to know who you are. We're always going to be here, but we get it. You got to go focus on this thing. So they're not at no point do they say, 
aside from when he's about to quit, do they say, Oh, you're forgetting about us or you're ditching us? Like they get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's also, it reemphasizes the point that Tenley kept saying to him about, you know, you have to, you know, why can't you just let yourself succeed, get it, get out of your own way, that kind of stuff. Um, what did you think of that uh, Augie speech? I thought it was a great speech, but again, this is a D plot suddenly at the end becoming sure. a B plot, uh, just like with his conversation with Mike, but I thought it was really well done. I thought that was probably the best acting in the film. Yes, I agree. That scene was really good. But all of a sudden, it also just, he just switches. He's kind of the voice of reason between Augie and Mike, obviously, but he's still kind of a a doofus for most of it. And then all of a sudden, he's Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you give it to a character that you you haven't shown us has that kind of gravitas at all. And, you know, or, or not even that. You never see any kind of hurt in Augie when maybe Ryan spurns them or something like that. You only see it once at the bar at the very beginning where they're like, hey, come play darts. And he's like, I got to go do this team thing. Sure. Yeah. And then they don't kind of go, they don't go after it a little bit more. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, There's a lot of people. I like the stuff with Jason Gedrick and the the brother conversation. I like in and of itself, like in that bubble, that conversation. I enjoy that conversation. Like you say, it doesn't really fit at some points. I like Fred Ward, I like the father son stuff. I like mm-hmm. when he tells Bruce Davison to you know get real. See you later. You know you don't ha- you don't own pride. Is not right. just uh, relegated to your class. Right, right. I like that. I mean, I guess it's probably more true to form that somebody like Bruce Davison's the father, Tenley's father, wouldn't really learn his lesson. But like, you kind of want that. You kind of want him to be like, I was wrong, but but he doesn't. And he never I don't will learn his lesson. I want him to get a comeuppance. I want him to get hit by the fat with like a foul ball. <laughs> oh. I think that's what this movie is <laughs> like missing. Tenley, <laughs> I said you got to get back in that. <laughs> is there anything else that I'm missing in this film that was something that really stood out that I have not brought up? I think the the Freddie Prince Jr. and Jessica Biel, their their, their chemistry. chemistry. Yeah, I think the relationship works too, and you see it over the summer. Do we like Freddie Prince Jr. as an actor? More so as a person, but I, I don't. I'm sure he's a lovely I, man. Lovely. I don't dislike him as a as an actor. I think he's been in a ton of good stuff. Good, not great. Is that what you're saying? Good, good not, not great. great. Pat Whelan. Good, not great. I don't think he was given. There's not a lot for him to do here. He's given roles like this throughout most of the the heyday of his career, and now he's kind of doing She's a lot all of that. And yeah, yeah, now he's kind of doing a lot of voice actor stuff. But yeah, this is exactly like those exact same characters like she's all right. that stuff. Right. So I don't think he was ever given the opportunity to rise above. Right. What well, about I Jessica Biel? We like Jessica Biel as an actress. I mean, I know why I, you like this film, just because Jessica Biel's in it. But like, do we like this as an actress? <laughs> I do like her as an actress. I think this actually, <laughs> I, but na- maybe not necessarily like at this time in her career. I think what she's done, what we've talked about later on with Candy and a couple of the other more recent ones. Well, that's because she's, she's really shown the range because she's she's producing though. She's taking the range. She, mm-hmm. she is she has got herself to a place in Hollywood where she can do what she wants to do, yes. which is great. Yeah. Which is where you want to be, where you want to be able to control what. I don't want to say content. I was about to say content. What stories you want to tell? <laughs> well, it, it doesn't hurt who her husband is, and she could yeah, just she's got that Timberlake. True, money. but like that's not. No, I'm kidding. It, that's not that's why not she gets why. the jobs. Yeah, that's he, that's probably why he gets the jobs. Let's put it. Let's oh, absolutely. That's why he got in time. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, but what I want to point out though, like this is actually this is right around her like coming out tour. Because it was her first big film. Yeah, I think so. I think it was. What was the horror movie she was in? Not I know that she was in the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah she did Rules right. of Attraction after this. Right, right, and right, it was right, like right. right before this that she did that uh the the photo shoot that got essentially gets her out of the contract of Seventh Heaven. Yeah, that got. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I forgot about Seventh Heaven. You're yeah. right. You're right. Oh, please, there's a lot of things going on in Seventh Heaven. 
But then she gets to like stealth and Bra- Blade Trinity, and you're like, ooh, stealth is not good. It's not good. <laughs> and then she went quiet for a Blade while, Trinity's and it's not her fault. But yeah, I hear you. But she went Loose quiet, it. and she came back. Yeah, no, yeah, hey, that's fine. I mean, like I said, I she's yeah. in Elizabeth Town though, and I forgot she was in that. She, she plays in that. She played, but she's not. She plays his she's sister like main, in the beginning. Yeah. She's like in the beginning of the movie when he's got to go off and take the ashes. That's it. I don't think she's. She's and he's, in Hitchcock. Oh, what the the Showtime show? The Will Smith movie, Hitch? No, Hitchcock. Oh, Hitchcock, right, right. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's a different Hitchcock. This is a TV movie. Okay, that makes sense. About Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> so <that's right. laughs> um, I'll just add one other thing too, because you asked about what we liked. I like that they. F- the story is not groundbreaking, but I think we've covered that. It's kids from the other side of the track falling in love. We get it. Aww. But the game setting it where they did was pretty cool. Like there's not many movies. There's a lot of high school football movies. There's Cape Cod Baseball League is a really unique. Yeah, it's a niche kind of thing to go to. Yeah, Yeah. you could sit in a college town. Yeah, like a high school thing. But yeah, doing it that way was interesting. Or just do minor league, but with new characters because it's far enough away. Okay, so let's get to some other stuff that I'm going to ask whether you like or not. Um, What were we doing with Dee Dee, the Brittany Murphy character? Like what was the, the town trash? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like I mean, like that's what we're saying in this movie. Like that's what they were like perfectly okay with saying that Dee Dee was just she's somebody fun, that. But she's non-committal. Yeah, she's just screwing around. But she wasn't his boyfriend, or his girlfriend. Excuse me. They were just messing around. And then she didn't get that job, so she comes back and now she's given to Brubaker. Yeah. I don't think she was ever going to get that job, and I think <laughs> there was maybe other like I, again. This is a hint of other stories, but you know. This is what derails players' careers is having the, to drink beer between the knees of somebody. Well, the townie girl that that hangs around and like maybe she gets knocked up and you can't pursue those dreams anymore. So we already know what happens to Brubaker. That's what you're telling her. Yes, yeah. stuck in Cape Cod. He'll be cutting grass. He'll be. Uh, he just figured out those wooden bats. He'll be eating too much chowder. <laughs> Which, by the way, their accents. Well, I was. Weird. I was just gonna get to Ooh. that, brother. <laughs> Um, I, my note was, why doesn't Freddie Prince have an accent? Oh wait, he does, and it's so like it's going again. Do you have the accent when you're doing the scene with Jason Gedrick, who clearly knows how to do the accent, and you're like, oh, I got to really step on my accent game. What is going on with that? Because it comes because it's there again when he's in the pool with Jessica Alba, and then it's gone again, and then it comes back again. It's all over the but place. But Fred Ward kind of has it, but doesn't. It's really more muted for Fred Ward's character. I feel like he just kind of does like, he go, He just kind of does a tough guy yeah. accent and he yeah. thinks it's all right. And like, that's good. Well, I mean, but Fred, it's consistent. So it I mean, works. Yeah, exactly. it, it, but if like, you're not going to do it, give me something or don't know. have the accent at all. He's I mean, also a guy of not many words. So like if he's not like picking up the accent through his life, like that could right. that ex- could explain that away. So this Mike is, and Augie have the accent; they do it sure, really well. right. Freddie Prinze Jr. was nominated for Stinker for this Butler for most annoying accent male. So oh, accent, go. yeah, <laughs> I, I'll go. Well, most that. annoying fake accent male, Freddie Prinze Jr. But he did not win the Stinker though. I don't know who won. I didn't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Chowda. He says Chowda once. Uh, I'm like so mad. The other thing I didn't like. Chowder, the other thing the I did not like in the beginning was the multiple voiceovers. They had. Um, Ryan's voiceover and then Billy's voiceover and then we're done. No more voiceovers. <laughs> For why? Why? I thought you that is you have Willard, uh, Valderrama. Has did he have one voiceover. too? Yeah, yeah. even yeah. better. Three. But he's not. He's a deep plot. But again, this to your point earlier about like you make it about the foursome. Yeah, playing there for the summer that you further diminish. You know Jessica Biel's character and then you have four of the players. I hate voiceovers. I do too. But if you have them just to introduce and then they're the full, you've like established that's your mains. Yeah. You've established your main cast. Mm-hmm. If I removed 
Tenley from this movie. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, A, you have no female characters, so you're... Okay. Yeah. I will answer the question. Is that a good thing? <laughs> I think it, it's a bad thing. If I remove the romantic subplot from this film... I think it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing? He needs Tenley. Why? She, she not only helps him realize he needs to pursue his dreams, but also helps him, I think, grow up. Why can't his father or his brother help him with that? Because that, you don't establish with, that with, plot enough. But I'm just but saying, you with, with, you that, <laughs> with that theme, with that... Um, not that theme, but that lesson. Sure. It has to come from Tenley. But the brother needs to be get rid of one of the players then. Okay. But or do we two of the players but, and put more Do we really them. believe that Ryan and Tenley are going to survive beyond this? Uh, we uh, I absolutely <laughs> believe they get married and then they have a very expensive divorce. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. Ne- no. She's, by she's not going to Batavia. <laughs> they will never be like not for, and every time you see Tanley's mom she's always drinking she always has a drink in her hand mm-hmm. like I, I just there's, that family is not healthy and it's never kind of steered anywhere where it's like I believe they're growing and like you know what I mean I think she's going to consistently be fighting with her father they're never going to be able to get together she's going to end up with somebody else and he's just going to be you know he's going to have a cup of coffee with the Phillies and be in the minor leagues for the rest of his life yeah <laughs> and the, the sister who is significantly do you think that's her full sister what do you mean that like that's that's a adopted sister i was gonna say half sister really why why are we saying that i'm just saying significantly younger the rich and promiscuous (laughs) oh i don't know maybe how would that storyline have changed I I i didn't even think of that at all i mean think about the mom the mom character is how old is the sister like 11 i mean that's probably like 11 or 12 why? Tenley is supposed to be what? 20, 22? Yeah. Because she's just out of yeah. college. But think about the mom character. So 10 years apart now? And not? an 11 year old daughter. Yeah. Maybe that's his second wife. Yeah, but again, I'm saying the mom may be too old to have had an 11 year old daughter. I don't know, man. I don't. I, just, I didn't really want to dive that deep in the summer <laughs> catch. I didn't know that. But let me, let me give you some. Go yard. Uh, let me give you some critic reviews and let me tell you, you can tell me what you think of these. Lawrence. Van Gelder of the New York Times wrote that it is a figuratively and literally a minor league movie. Take the romantic impulse behind F. Scott Fitzgerald's story, Winter Dreams. Add some New England small town stratification from John P. Marquand's novel, Point of No Return. Add a pinch of lusty Apple Annie's from Bull Durham and some towny, preppy animosity from Goodwill Hunting. Then bury the whole thing under a mound of standard issue parent-child conflicts and enough self-help cliches to drive Pulionis to the Aquavite barrel at Elsinore. Sprinkle with half-baked characters and a predictably odds-defying outcome. And the result is Summer Catch. Oh, man, he reads a lot. He's such a <laughs> Man. He's so great. He's so much better than everybody. He is, right? Look oh at that review. God. Oh my God. <laughs> God damn it. I, uh, I too did read that, that review. <laughs> and none of what he said. Well, he said I primarily it. only read that just to, to get Butler upset. <laughs> what he said in different terms is exactly what we just said. But for us, we it's a fun movie to watch in the summer. It could be a date movie. It could be a Saturday afternoon movie. It's just a fun movie to have on. Mm-hmm. See, this I disagree with that. To me, it's a movie that I would walk out of the theater and go, <laughs> "Will that happen? Where are we going to go eat?" Like I don't think I would ever revisit it again. But John Leiden of Variety was more forgiving with his analysis, and he said, "With its haphazard mix of boisterously crude comedy, romantic entanglements, class conscious clashes, and intensely competitive hardball, pick." plays like it was inspired by a late night channel surf through major league bull Durham, one crazy summer and some late fifties wrong side of the tracks. Meller. He praised Fenton score and the film's humor signaling out Matthew Lillard, 
Brittany Murphy and Beverly D'Angelo. D'Angelo has like literally on screen for maybe 30 seconds, 60 seconds. <laughs> Again, he's not saying anything different than what we're saying. <laughs> well, how about this? One last one. Mark Savlov of the Austin Chronicle gave the movie one and a half stars out of five, adding baseball, summer, apple pie, and Freddie Pinch Jr. America! Bear butt. What could be more American? Toss in a brief glance at Matthew Lillard's equally naked behind, and you've got a better late than never entry in the cliched teen love story genre that, while generally inoffensive, is nonetheless so cloyingly heartfelt that it's all you can do not to giggle every time someone makes a prophetic love struck proclamation, of which there are many. Uh, I don't think we get to see Lillard's butt. I think <laughs> uh, as he turns around, is that happen? Oh, yes. when he's in the uh, yeah. do not see Lillard's butt. That's oh, too bad. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I told you not to. Unless you have anything else to add, nope. I'm going to ask the question to you, and we can all answer. But you go first, Pat. Why are you saying this film is forgotten? I not only is it forgotten, it was dead on arrival in the theaters. Okay. Uh, but why it's forgotten now, I think. Well, let me go back to the dead on arrival. I will tell I you think, that Ron Tomatoes approval rating is 8%. I so know what it is. We're fighting against that. <laughs> Ron Tomatoes doesn't matter. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely right. All right. So let me let me back up a second. Either WB like dumped this, which is what I think they actually did, or they completely mistimed the market. And they thought that they could get a nice, you know, easy viewing romantic comedy in before Labor Day. Which wasn't going to happen. If you go back and look at the release schedule for 2001, I mean, this is on par with, you know, some enduring films you have. You kick off the summer with Mummy Returns, the first Legally Blonde, the good Legally Blonde. Oh, second one's not good? Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge, the original Fast and the Furious, (laughs) Atlantis, Wet Hot American Summer. Atlantis isn't good. But it was a Disney. I mean, it was a what big American summer. We I love, but I'm, it did not do money. Not, it did not, did not do money. But I'm just saying, like enduring favorites for the year. Sure. Okay. Okay. You had AI, which I wouldn't necessarily say is enduring, but it's a big Spielberg movie. I like AI. Jurassic Park three, Princess Diaries, Rush Hour two, and American Pie two, and Jay and Silent Bob, which we already talked about. Yeah, it's a big summer. That's a big summer. You know, I th- this one just didn't have a chance. It's a low budget movie that they they dumped at the end of the summer. Now, why it's forgotten now is one nobody has cable and nobody's putting it on TBS or HBO or anything. True. Two, and the jokes we've already said that they don't. This is going to get canceled on Twitter the minute it goes on <laughs> TBS. And three, nobody knows this cast anymore. Like we talked about, it's Jessica got Biel Riley now. from Buffy. What are you talking? About? Nobody knows that. Like you got Freddie Prince Jr., who's probably most known to your point earlier <laughs> as the Star Wars, Wars yeah. voice actor. Not Clone Wars. Uh, uh, Rebels. And you got Matthew Lillard. I mean, he was screamed, all that stuff, but nobody really knows him that much anymore. I He's feel not, like people still know him as you, Shaggy. You kind of know him as Shaggy, but he hasn't yeah. done much of anything you only know recently. Because he complained that they didn't cast him in the in the new one that they're doing. Yeah. 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 yeah you're 50, dude. You're not, you're not <laughs> yeah. Right. You had, um, oh, we've talked about Jessica Biel. You had early career Brittany Murphy who I think they're hesitant to put this movie on over like clueless or eight mile or, or some of the other ones right. that are a little bit more she well said, known. She says there's other movies that in her filmography that are better than this. Yes. You know, you had mid to late career, Brian Dennehy, uh, Bruce Davison, Brian, Brian, this is Brian paycheck. Dennehy. <laughs> but, and you get the brother from iron Eagle. Like nobody knows about iron Eagle. Chappie! I think the two most famous people at this point in our lives and, and in, in the life cycle of this film are Wilder 
Valderrama. Valderrama. Yep, yep, and John McGinley. I like how no one has said that name right. Valderrama? Valderrama. I said it. So get names wrong. Like, no nobody is turning this on because nobody has any like new audiences have no idea who these people are. Interesting. Yeah. I would add that nobody's turning this on because it's not that good. Kanan Jarrus is the main character. So why do you think it's forgotten, Butler? Uh, pretty much what Pat said. Nice. No what cable. Pat said? There's no cable anymore. Uh, this is. What do you mean? Like this would be on like a this cable? Be, this is going to oh, be on I got Comedy you. Central. Okay. Over yeah, over that's true. Time. That's true. The release schedule 2001 is too big of a, a summer schedule. Why not? At, at the kickoff, why not the start of the season put this out? I know it's summertime, but still in the in the when, spring when people are really like, oh man, baseball's back. Yeah, put yeah. The, try to get some baseball fans. End of the summer, I don't feel like you're gonna get as many seasons winding up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah as yeah, many yeah, people yeah, like going as hardcore about it anymore. I could see this being a, a spring film. That that'd probably be a better idea. And I also think to Pat's point, like it it would probably be on Comedy Central if the people in this movie were big, bigger stars than they were back then. You know what True, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's probably why, because then they're like, Oh, a lot of people watch it, but it's a money. It's a numbers game. So that's probably what, to your point, it would be on like Mike says, it's not on there. I think mm-hmm. it would be. And I just want to add one thing to Butler's point here. Cause you talked about early season, like do it closer to the, the start of the baseball season. I pulled up uh fever pitch, which was the Drew Barrymore, Jimmy Fallon one. Year? That was 2005, oh, completely okay. different, different year, but they released April 6th. Yes. Of that year, but they had to delay theirs because they had to redo. The they also had they had to re- stuff. They did have the Red Sox stuff. They had the Red Sox stuff. You had Jimmy oh, Fallon, you had Drew Barrymore, yeah. which are arguably big, bigger gets than this cast at the even at in yeah. two thousand one. But it still did fifty million. Right. So it was able to like kind of skirt a lot of that summer noise and traffic. Sure. I, I, that that's that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Well, in that case, do you think the uniqueness of taking place in Cape Cod actually hurts it then? I don't think that matters. You don't think if it was released as a baseball, but it was the minor leagues, or well, compared to compared to compared to Bull Durham, though, and Bull Durham, there is a point throughout the movie where you're learning about minor league baseball. You're learning about what it's like to be a minor league baseball Mm -hmm. player. Bull Durham is really good. Oh, (laughs) I know because it's really it's written really well. Ron Shelton's a really good writer, but. What a book to his point with this movie, you don't really learn a lot about the Cape Cod League as you move forward. It's just kind of like, here it is. You get those three voiceovers. Yeah, and then it's, it's like, set okay, dressing. Get ready for a sex comedy, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, in that regard. So I think maybe if it was more like Bill Derman, where you learned a little bit about the Cape Cod and the ins and outs, maybe the house mother stuff is a little bit more like, oh, that's like, there's no discussion about the, the idea of the is. house mother. They're just like, why aren't you boning her? Like, there's no like, an older gentleman going, oh yeah, she's a she's you know that, that's been going on for years. Like she's a legend. That, Take a look right. at these photos. Right, that's a, that's what they do with <laughs> Annie and Bull Durham. You know, when he, <laughs> that's what they do with Annie and Bull Durham when he has that big monologue at the end, which is an awesome monologue in the in the movie. But um, yeah, so I think to that point, I I, I think that's probably where we we lacking there. So so yeah, so I guess I got nothing else to add about this movie, Pat. I'm glad that you we finally were able to do it. Thank you for doing this. And uh, now we can you know cross it off and never talk about it again. I feel like you didn't. Let me ask you this before we close. Yeah, Did sure. you like it maybe a little bit more than you thought you would? Because you're not dunking on it as much as maybe you threatened Pat. That I'm not would. dunking on it because I don't <laughs> want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 an it's an easy watch, but it's like I said, it's a watch where like okay, I watched it. I there's really I'm trying to think about like this the stuff I would go back to. Like I said, I uh, Fred Ward is fine. I like Fred mm-hmm. Ward and that stuff. There's little moments that we're good. Like the whole quote of you want big rewards, you got to take big risks. I like that quote. The, the, the only problem is that 
that theme and that idea is banged over the head constantly throughout the movie. Like she's constantly having that same conversation with him. Right. And it's just a little like, okay, I get it. I get it. That's the theme. Um, my other big, my other thing is also like, he can't pitch and his like mechanics bothered me. And what I, the one thing I don't like in sports films is when people are not Thank athletic. It. That is true. Everybody else. A lot of the background players yeah. are actual college players. Right. The only one that really shows that he can't do it, that he is going to get dunked on by Ken Griffey Jr. is, is the fact that it, Ryan like, Dunn can't pitch when you watch him they, <laughs> and they cheat it. They cheat the they scenes. Do. They cheat. They, when you so watch weird. him. When you watch him pitch, they never show him finish off. No, because he's always so he's so stiff. He never throws the ball hard. He's just throwing the ball. Well, you see a couple, but they're all from back in the bleachers. right. Yes. Right. Like so you, and I'm yep. and I was watching that, and it bugs me. I I like I really like Little Big League. I like that movie, and part of the reason why I like that movie is because there's people in that movie that can play baseball, and they look like they can play baseball. And also. The shortstop in Little Big League is Kevin Elster. He was on the Mets. And it was actually, he's he has one of the funniest lines in the movie. He's like, I'm hitting over August. Like, I, I like <laughs> Kevin. I like because they could all play. And that, I guess maybe that immersed to help immerse myself mm-hmm. in the movie more. But when they can't play the sport, I hate it. I hate it. It bothers me. And he couldn't pitch. And that bugged me. And even like Matthew Lillard swinging, it looked great, but it didn't look like a professional baseball swing. You know I, I mean? will I will argue that one. Because he's not a professional. He's, he's trying to he's kid. trying to make yeah, it up. He's just a college kid and he can cheat the college. college kid, but people get picked out of the minors all the time in, in high school. But he's not in the minors. He's, but he's, he's a college. He, he's okay. a late. Let me hang on. He's a late college player that's so used to the aluminum. bat. Like he could fake in sure. college with the aluminum bats. So that's the difference between the Cape God. I'm talking about a swinging. I'm talking. About I know that, but he could still swing in the bat. He could still fake the strength with the aluminum bat. I know. I'm not. I'm talking about his technique. I'm talking about. I know. I know that, but like his form isn't good. Yeah, it's not. But good. he could fake it. <laughs> a real person can fake it to get this far. But this is the end of their road. I'm not saying this didn't happen, but there's no notes in these facts that any of these people took any kind of baseball instructional course. You know, every time somebody does a war film, we talk about boot, they're in like four months of boot camp and they're vomiting every day and they can't handle it. You know, but like in none of the facts here, I never heard anything about any of these people taking some kind of baseball course. There's one person who didn't go to boot camp, Matt Damon and Saving Private Well, he was not supposed to. Yeah, so they hated him. Yeah. I love that. That's, <laughs> that, my, that's a great always, thing to do. I will always the, <laughs> the one note, yeah. <laughs> the one note is that the majority of the teammates were actually minor leaguers. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They look great, but not the face actors. Right. Which bugs me. Like you know. Tin Cup, Kevin Costner. He can clearly strike the ball. Yeah. And that's what makes that movie because you can have your lead in wide shots actually performing the action. Now he doesn't have to hit the ball. You know, like doesn't have to be straight. But as long as you're showing me hit mm-hmm. the ball and he can do it well, then I'm good. But that that helps. I think that helps me the believability. Okay. Maybe. Okay. What are you staring at me? I, I just think that's you. You're going overboard with this. No, I don't, because I think that's a big thing. You, these are actors. So you're, you're an actor, and you're take you you're you're taking on a role of a minor leaguer. You're going to tell me you're going to show up without any kind of. I know you hate it because you've hated you. You brought this up ever since you talked with that one guy who you had in your your short. Oh. Run. <laughs> Dude, you're supposed to be a spy, <laughs> and he ran. Like, and I feel like that has kind of stayed he, with no, you your entire life. No, that that was <laughs> I believe that before that was like, I there for this one? No. Oh, so okay. It was it was a it was a we were doing this and we we stopped doing this. I think it was going to be a web series. It was purebred actually. And he's supposed to be as like really hardened spy. And I needed to run across the, the run across the, 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 whatever the parking lot. Yeah. But like, he's supposed to be somebody who could murder somebody. He runs like an antelope. Like he runs like, he was like, <laughs> not, like he's running, like he's in the field of daisies. And I was like, I had to like, no, I need you to run. Oh yeah. No, run. No. 
I was just like, no. Like that's that's the thing though, Butler. Don't I mean that's the whole like the gate and how to walk and how to run and how I to don't act. disagree with that. I, yeah. I I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I I would hope that if you ever got cast as a baseball player, that you would take it upon yourself to learn how to play baseball. Yes. <laughs> Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenEntertainment.com or ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. While you're on ForgottenEntertainment.com, check out all the other great podcasts, including yet another MCU podcast starring Pat. And me. And yeah, you, I guess. <laughs> and check out all the other great podcasts we have as well. Uh, you can also find us on uh, all the social medias, including Facebook uh, on the lobby. Join us in the lobby. It's our Facebook group where we can talk about movies. Defend. Uh, Summer, Summer catch. catch. I'm sure most people will just take field side like they always do. Well, because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but let us know if you have any love for Freddie Prince Jr. and Summer Catch. Awesome. And join us next week where we'll be doing The Accountant from 2016 with Ben Affleck and other people. I forgot yeah. the guy's name. Who, I don't think you've seen this movie. Yes, I have. Have you seen The Accountant? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The two John, brothers. John Bernthal. That's right. Bernthal. I forgot his name. Apologies, Mr. Bernthal. Apologies. <laughs> That's next week. Uh, we'll be doing The Accountant. Uh, sorry, Pat, you're not going to be with us. It'll, we'll be doing that solo. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for doing Summer Kids. We're actually, Pat's going to return uh, later on this uh, this season. We're going to be doing the movie Wind River with Pat. So that's actually, obviously, we're doing a complete 180 from this film to that film. <laughs> so uh, Get your sad caps on. <laughs> so yeah, so Pat, well, you'll see everyone again. If you want to pimp anything, do you want to talk about anything or before we go? No, I think Mike covered it all. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And uh, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Awesome. All right, everyone. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.